Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor O'Gara. It is Halloween, SEC Division Championship Week. We are in perfected schlag right now. Ween. All right. Nope, that's not how you do it. That sounded weird. That did sound weird. We have a loaded pod. I say that every episode, but we have so much to get to today. We're, of course, going to talk about Division Championship Week with Georgia, Kentucky, Bama, LSU. We've got a lot of Halloween stuff that we want to get to. And hey, I told you it would happen the other day, and we guilted him into doing it. Our good friend Peter Burns joined us. Well, actually, by the time that we're recording this, um, Future Us is going to take care of that, but we're recording this before that. Daylight savings. <laughs> you know what that is on Sunday. Just so you guys know, I, I'll be, if you want to be a part of this, this text chain, I'll be sending out a meme of share that says, turn back time on Sunday. Share with your friends. No? You had an incorrect share reference uh, two pods ago, so I don't know if you're... <laughs> so glad so glad I have you to hold me accountable for that, Connor. You mixed up share and Celine Dion, <laughs> which is a big no-no. Um, yeah, for real. Especially on an SEC football podcast that was even brought up, I would think. Before we, actually, today. before we actually talk about SEC football, Halloween, Peter Burns, all that, got to talk to you about our friends at Ticket City. Yes, we are excited to be partnering with them once again. We tell you every single week our relationship with them goes back several years as they are still a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games could not be easier when you're using Ticket City. A lot of games that you're gonna to wanna to go see this weekend. Even if you're not an SEC fan, you're listening to this podcast, first of all, shout out you. Second of all, go still use Ticket City. Definitely should yeah. still do that. Use that promo code CMBF. CMBF, that is one zero, and you're gonna get 10% off of your tickets now, whether it's for this upcoming Saturday or later in the season, get your tickets now on Ticket City. I have not looked at the prices on Ticket City, but I imagine for Bama LSU, they're what? Spooky. Oh, okay, I see. That's it's, we're going so there. Much. It's I've I had so much caffeine, I'm so excited. You have a lot of caffeine on days that we record, I've noticed that. I know, yeah, yeah. It's a thing I do. Number one, Bamba. Number three, LSU. We found out last night in the college football playoff rankings, the first playoff poll of the season, that LSU, as predicted, came in at number three. Were you surprised? First of all, before we talk Bama LSU, were you surprised to see that LSU came in ranked ahead of Notre Dame? I was. I was. And, and again, not because of anything I, I have against or against uh, LSU or think that they don't deserve to be. There's a lot of – there's a lot of – like reason to to think that they should be in all honesty ahead of people like bama because of the like the the schedule they've played they've played six teams that have a winning record out of their eight games it's really impressive um i was just the only reason i say that is because i was surprised that notre dame was four and i almost said so low because it's notre dame and i'm just accustomed to them getting everything they want they're like an only child only children are only children. There, there are positives and definitely there are some drawbacks to. to okay, that. and Notre Dame is the is the adopted only child of college football. They get everything they want. Oh my gosh, he's so cute. Where'd you get him from? That's all we're gonna say. All right. I thought it. I didn't think it was that surprising considering that LSU had the current resume and the. If we just want to look at the records or in the rankings of the time that they played those games on their side because when you played five games against teams that were in the top 25 and you played three teams that were in the top 10, it kind of comes back to you and it's, it's going to help. And I know that people right. are like, well, Auburn and Miami aren't that good. Well, look at what, what LSU has had recently just in the last month alone. 
having to face a good Florida team on the road, obviously that's the lone loss, and then killing Georgia and then yeah. beating Mississippi State convincingly. That's why they're still that's why they're at number three ahead of Notre Dame, yeah. which Notre Dame has the win against Michigan, but that's the only win against the current top twenty five that the Irish have. Right. And I brought this up on the Facebook Live last night. Um Shout out to anybody that, that joined us for that on Tuesday, not Monday, because there was a lot of backlash on Monday. That was a jersey. Anyway, but no, I brought this up last night. Is that I, I honestly think that Notre Dame's most impressive victory on their on their resume is at Wake Forest. Oh, give and me a get, break! Come I'm, on, I'm it's dead serious. Not I'm dead more serious. impressive could, than beating Michigan. Come on, don't don't go no, that far. No, and the reason the reason why is this because they that's they don't they haven't gone away from home that much. They will like, the next game, month. They will. Well, it's about damn time because it's November. The season's almost over. I've been crying inside for days. <laughs> but like, I understand going to Vatek, and that was big. Obviously, like that, and and they just dominated them. But you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm a part of that is like me embellishing a little bit. But like, yeah, a road game against about like Notre Dame is the only team in the world that could play a road game against Navy, which is in Annapolis, Maryland, and do it in San Diego and call it a road game. Get out of here. I hate Notre Dame. I think uh, LSU Notre and... Notre Dame is candy corn. LSU and... Oh, that's that's really going there. Uh, Bama and LSU, I think, would have a considerable advantage against Notre Dame. I'll, I'll say that. But let's, let's talk about the big one this weekend, the one that we've been looking forward to for a long time. We didn't think that in the beginning of the season that it was going to set up to be a pair of top three teams. I don't think anybody thought that. Never but thought we'd make it. This game is... Pretty much exactly the way that that both teams could have drawn this up. A chance to get the best win of the season for either one of them. I think whoever wins this game is locked in at number one for the foreseeable future. Obviously, the implications of that and whether or not you know this would obviously it would probably knock LSU out of the playoff field, barring some playoff or barring some chaos with the rest of the conference yep. champs, all that stuff. My big question for this one, and I think LSU fans know where I'm going. We're looking at the quarterback situation, and we're trying to figure out, is Joe Burrow a different guy than what we've seen the last four years? Because it's been ugly, and LSU fans know how ugly it's been, but when I, when I saw the numbers, I did, and I, I crunched all of them. Yeah, I crunched all the numbers the other day. <laughs> Big crunch guy. Big, huge crunch guy. Um, I didn't realize they were this bad. So in the post <laughs> Zach Mettenberger era, which by the way... That's the worst. Is that... Let me tell you something. The the post Zach Mettenberger era. That is what what does that even mean? Well, because he threw for like 250 yards against Bama. He, if you actually yeah. go back and look, I know the offensive output in terms of points that got killed, but he actually didn't fare. He looks yeah. good compared to what he's you know been up against the last few years here. So the last four years, LSU quarterbacks. These are the cumulative numbers: 40% accuracy, 4.5 yards per attempt, 113 passing yards per game a 2-4 to four touchdown to interception ratio, and 9.75 points per game. Points two per game. 2-4. 2-4 touchdown to interception ratio is... And now, and, and now listen, and I, I'm going to... We're going to go ahead and hand... We're going to get this out of the way up front. Everyone on here knows that my origins as, of my fanhood is I'm an Alabama fan, one of my biggest flaws. I've been, a, I've been, I would say, arguably one of the strongest and loudest people on the LSU bandwagon. Yes, you year. have. Thank you. That's all I wanted to hear from you. Um, but that being said, when I, so when I say stuff about this game, I'm not saying it to be rude or talk down to LSU fans or discredit or dismiss how impressed they have. When I say this, I'm not saying it from a place of being a fan. I'm saying it just 
from what I've seen with my own four eyes the past couple years. This isn't the first time I've seen LSU come in ranked number three or the LSU ranked in the top five or top four or whatever and have this kind of hype going into it. But these numbers you throw out, this is what I've seen every year, even during the Zach Mettenberg era. <laughs> that is <laughs> the glory days, if you will, when Zach, Zach Mettenberger led them to what I can only assume was a Citrus Bowl berth, then they played Notre Dame or Iowa like they seemingly do every year during bowl season. That being said, you know, they scored 17 points against Bama in 2012, 17 again in 2013, they, 13 points in, in 2014, that was a good one, 16 the year after in 2015. How much did they score last year? They, they've, they've put up some points, kind of. Here's what I'll say about that, because there are a lot of a lot of LSU fans. I wrote a story basically about whether or not Joe Burrow can be the guy, shameless plug, to break this trend, because yeah. that's the way that Ed Orgeron built this up at SEC Media Days when he said we felt like we were we sh- we should have hit on some deep passing plays and our quarterback missed them. And Danny Etling, if you go back and watch that game, he had the pass to DJ Shark that was like 50 yards in the beginning of the game where he had a step on Minka Fitzpatrick, and Minka Fitzpatrick comes up with the, the hamstring injury, and it's an on-target ball, and it's 7-0, and it's a totally different game. There are a few instances where you can go back and look at that game, and as, as Coach O said, he felt like physically they matched up pretty well at the line of scrimmage, and if Always they had hit do. on those big passing plays, they would have been able to potentially win that game. And a lot of people, you know, when I tweet out the story this morning, were like, well, Alabama was a quarterback, a, a great quarterback short of blowing LSU out. And that's the, the other side of the coin. Of this. Just stop it. I, I get all that. But here's, here's the thing that, that is at least interesting. I'm not saying that LSU is going to win this game. But oh, oh. this Bama secondary is not the Bama secondary that had Minka Fitzpatrick in it. And the studs that we've He's seen on the back there. end of Saban's defense are not quite what what we've seen, at least from them in the first part of this year. Now, coming off of a bye week, you would expect them to come out looking better than ever. I get all that. But there are at least some questions, and I think Steve Ensminger is going to want to actually attack this Alabama secondary. As crazy as that sounds, that's what they're going to want to do, and they're going to open up the field a little bit more with Joe Burrow. But, you know, but when you say that, and I get what you're saying, and Joe Burrow, I love Joe Burrow. He's a gamer. Uh, he he comes up with big plays, except for that Florida game, it seems like, when, when they need him most. That being said, my man ranks 13th out of 14 starting quarterbacks in the SEC in completion percentage, yards per attempt, touchdowns. I think he has, what, does he have six touchdowns still? He, he does have six touchdowns. He has also faced four top 14 defenses. No one made that excuse for Jalen Hurts last year when he closed out the season playing that exact same schedule. Yeah, four oh, no. 15 defenses. I, I mean, I, I'm just saying I love Joe Burrow. I, I don't doubt that he's played. I, I, I know that he's played a very tough schedule. I just don't know why we all of a sudden think, you know, like I think everyone keeps talking about what, what Tua's going to do. And we've I, you've done a really good job to open up the dialogue, not about Tua. I'm impressed with that. <laughs> um, I got Tua, Tua fatigue. But, like, when – like a lot of people are talking about, like, how is this LSU defense going to stop Tua? And you know, you have this like this back seven that's the best in the country. Again, they always DBU. I, you know, I think LSU is DBU, and you're going up against this like this high-powered offense. How are you going to stop them? Blah 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 blah. No one's talking about Bama's defense, and I don't know. I don't know the last time I've ever heard that. Isn't Nobody. That weird? It's it's really weird. It's really weird. And and they've quietly gotten better the past couple weeks. And I don't know why we assume that Joe Burrow all of a sudden. 
is going to light up the world. Because when you look at these games where they get beat, and I know, I know you're not saying that, but like when you look at games where Bama gets beat, that's what it takes. It takes Steven Garcia going 18 of 20, or it takes a Heisman Trophy-type candidate like Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, or, <laughs> or Bo Wallace or Chad Kelly. Damn it. But, like, but you know, the, the, the last time they got beat in the regular season before Auburn last year was that 2015 game against Ole Miss, and that was the five turnovers and, you know, spiking a ball off somebody's helmet and then it going, like, for, like, a 70-yard touchdown. All that stuff happening. I don't – is that what's going to happen on Saturday? Or is LSU – can they finally line up and beat Alabama? That's the ultimate question. And I think one of the keys to this game, and, and Charlie Potter of uh, 24-7 Sports, who does great work covering Alabama, had this hey, stat. Uh, he does. He, he threw this out there, and it, it made. I mean, it just puts. It's the ultimate something has to give stat. Alabama has hit 28 points in the first quarter three different times this year. We've talked about this being potentially the best first half offense in the history of college football. That's proof of that. Scored under 30 in the first half once. <laughs> yeah. Outscoring teams 165 to 31 in the first quarter. Now here's the here's the thing. Here's the something has to give element. LSU has not allowed a first quarter touchdown all season. Hasn't allowed a first quarter touchdown since last year against Bama. And here's the thing that I threw out against, I think I threw this out um, when they were playing Mississippi State two weeks ago. LSU is riding a streak of 18 games without allowing more than 27 points. Yeah. That's amazing. That's that's amazing. So the stat I saw was they've had 18 straight games they've allowed less than 30 points, and Bama scored at least 30 in eight straight games. So here's the thing. If you... If you're going, if you're going into this game for an, if you're an LSU fan, you're thinking to yourself, get me to halftime fourteen to three. Yep. Or if get I, me to halftime seven 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 six. If you're within two possessions at halftime, you're at least you at least have a chance, and you're at least getting into a situation where Bama is in somewhat unfamiliar territory. Now, can Bama turn it on in the third quarter and do like some Golden, some Golden State Warriors stuff and you know basically oh, just blitzkrieg? Yeah, absolutely. They have the firepower to do that. But you get Devin White back at halftime, obviously. That's going to be a big topic of conversation. We expect that to be some sort of jolt flyover. for he's, LSU. He's dropping out of a plane onto the field. No, no, no. We're, he's riding on, in on, on horse. On a tiger. On, yes. I, he's riding in on Daisy May. We already established that. Come on. It's so weird you know their names. I just just Daisy May. She's she's a good girl. She's a good horse. She uh, she's worthy of many. That of, was not a horse. Yeah, no, that was that was not very good. Um, so I think that's the key to this game. Is it because if Bama gets out to a twenty-one-zero lead, I like Joe Burrow a lot. He's not coming back from a twenty-one-zero lead against that defense. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and and you know I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I it's. Here's the thing. They've won seven in a row against LSU. And, yeah, this is the ultimate something's got to give game. But for seven straight games, they've done this. And twice under or drawn in the past few years. And they've been competitive games. I used to always say, this is the worst game of the year. I hate watching this game. And the reason why is, you know, you look at it. 2000, ever since Saban's been there, 2007, LSU's ranked number one in the country. Bama has a seven-point lead with three minutes to go. Loses by seven. Almost impossible to do. Lose the rest of their games that year until the bowl game. So next year, overtime, 2009, that late fourth quarter touchdown by Julio. 2010, they lose. 2011, 9-6, and then like the national championship. But every 2012, it's like they score like a minute and a half to go. It's every game, every, every single year, this game goes in the fourth quarter. It's miserable to watch. It is the two most prolific defenses 
toughest, most physical teams in the country, not just in the SEC. And I'm getting fired up. You in are. the country. I, because because <laughs> every there's there's a there's a lyric, and it's gonna be brought up later when with Peter Burns. It's a rap verse. Despite my haircut, you guys know I like some hip hop, and I've always said this ever since 2012. There's a lyric from Duffelbag Boy, the song Duffelbag Boy from Lil Wayne. He says, Call me what you want, but don't call me for front. And I think that best sums up this rivalry because like I always say, I said it at the beginning of the year for, for the Bama Louisville game. Come Saturday night, all the talking that we're doing, media's doing, teams doing, all that kind of stuff, that all stops. And at eight o'clock, you gotta buckle that chin strap and you gotta go out there and play Alabama. But it also you gotta go out there and play LSU, because that's a damn good football team. I hate this game. You know that Weezy's still... You know that Weezy's an LSU fan. Yeah, whatever. You just quoted an LSU fan. I've I'm quoted just it saying. every year. It's it, it couldn't be more it couldn't be like more perfect for this game. Because this isn't the same as other games in the SEC. This I mean, I understand Bama's offense is different this year and they're more, you know, high scoring, all that kind of stuff. This is a tough, physical, miserable game. But that being said, as close as it's been, the last seven years on average, Bama's won by thirteen points. Can't argue with that. Can't, it's it's hard to look at this history and you know history doesn't win games. I'm not a believer of that, but it, it's tough to ignore when it's when it has been you know that one sided in recent memory, especially in this in this decade. So we're going to talk more about this game with Peter Burns, but the other division championship game in the SEC, the game that's going to lead up to this, the opening act, Georgia Kentucky number six appetizer. versus number nine. Nice, the biggest football game in Lexington in over 40 years. Number six versus number nine. I just saw that. I'm so not the first person to make that joke. That's so good. Uh, no, this this game though for for Kentucky fans who have been waiting so long for just a chance like this. It, it you know we're gonna get this is one of those weeks that if you're a Kentucky fan, I think you just try and soak it in as much as possible. And credit Kentucky by the way, those billboards on Times Square. Sick. You got Cash Daniel, you got Josh Allen. This is your chance. I love the fact that they probably spent an arm and a leg to be able to pay for those billboards. Oh, they spent a lot of money to be able to do that. That's prime real estate. And I love Cash Daniel's tweet about it too. Oh yeah. He said I wonder these people have ever heard from Paintsville, Kentucky. They have now. God. <laughs> That's like just the ultimate like Biggie Smalls, like just a kid from Brooklyn, but obviously Paintsville, Kentucky is not Brooklyn. It was that was a cool moment. That was pretty cool. Getting to see Kentucky try and take advantage of this. This is this is what you got to do. And I know, I, I hate to use this reference, but like UCF last year, when you have a window, you got to make some noise. It's not just good enough to win more games and expect yeah. people to all of a sudden notice you and change the narrative. You got to do some things, and that's credit Kentucky for doing that. So they're going to enjoy the crap out of this week, as they absolutely should. This game, in my opinion, much like the Alabama LSU game, the start is so, so critical yep. just because of how limited that Kentucky offense is. If Georgia comes out and it's 21-0 in the first quarter and Jim Chaney is just sitting there smoke, smoking a cigar at the end of the first quarter, that's all she wrote for Kentucky. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, though. Just cigar in one hand, just bucket of fried chicken in the other hand. He's, he's like the coach or like the bad guy from like the Monstars in, in Space Jam. Yes, that's, that's a good Chaney. reference. That's yeah, good. You, I'm on fire today, um, kind of. Anyway, I, Kentucky, this it's. I think it's a really good point about the start. They their offense is not built is not built to withstand a start like that. One to come from behind from I'd say a double digit deficit. Two, even though they did three, last week, but that's okay. Even though they did last week, but well, yeah, okay. Um, 
they're not built to do that against a team like Georgia, which is what scares me. Exactly. I think. I think. And I could be wrong because I've been wrong, as most of us have, about Kentucky all season. I have too. And, and listen, hey, if Kentucky comes, comes out and pulls off the upset, we will, we will own it. We will give Kentucky fans the credit that they deserve for telling us how wrong we were about this Takes team. Takes a big man, Connor, to admit That's, when he's wrong. That man is, that man is us. I do that every single week, not to brag, but uh, this this Kentucky team, though, if you look at the way that they are built from an offensive standpoint and what this Georgia defense has not been able to stop is when you have this, this sort of balance. And I yeah. think on the flip side, it works the same way because I think Georgia has more balance offensively than any offense that Kentucky has seen. And I think that if you go back, I actually went back and looked at the schedule and tried to figure out What's, which teams have the biggest disparity between run and pass, all that stuff. And Florida, ironically enough, was the most balanced team in terms of offensive production yeah. that Kentucky has faced, but that was in week two. And I, I don't think Felipe Franks was nearly the quarterback that he is now. I understand he's coming off of a bad game. Yeah. But I think that, I think that <laughs> no, that's the challenge. He was so great earlier in the year. Kentucky has been able to really focus in on what an offense does well and take it away. And I just think that with Georgia – you're looking at all these different weapons that they have where, all right, DeAndre Swift has a bad game, so what? Elijah, Elijah Holyfield can go off for 100 yards, he can run you over at the second level, no big deal. Oh, whatever, you're gonna take away Ridley? Okay, we'll just go to the outside and throw to Jeremiah Hallman and we'll oh, get him man. on a back shoulder fade. Like, they can do so many different things. Oh, well, by the way, Isaac Nada, our tight end that we haven't used even though he was a five-star recruit coming in, U.S. Army All-American, we're just gonna throw it him four times in a row just because we can, because that's right. what you're giving us. They oh, do these backup, things so well. our backup tight end? Yeah, we'll throw him out there and let him get choked out for a minute, whatever. Like, that's, what we, that's the kind of talent we have. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, can we just, real quick, you. We've done some, I've done some dumb things in my life and on social media, but like, no, I've, <laughs> we won't mention them right now. But like, how dumb do you have to be to post a picture of yourself choking somebody in a game? I mean, you're not, I think it's after Guarantee the fact. Guarantee it wasn't Chikai polite. That's good. That's good. Oh, uh, double Spray Jeopardy, double Jeopardy works in college football too. Can't go back and get a flag for that. So, I don't um, know what that means. Are you, are you referencing the game show? Uh, the the movie, uh, the Michael Scott reference, maybe? Double Jeopardy. Double Jeopardy? I don't think you know what Double Jeopardy means. <laughs> <laughs> so Wasn't it Dennis Rodman in that movie? Uh, probably. Or uh, Wesley that... Snipes, same person. Anyway, moving on. No, I, I agree with you. Like, it's They're not built to come back from that, which worries me. But yeah, like we said, I especially have been wrong about Kentucky all year long. Right. And our man Matthew Gordon reminds me every week. Yep. And he's he's right. <laughs> he's right. Yeah. So uh and also shout out to our guy, one bearded golfer. Yeah. Um, he he kind of put it all in perspective though, after even when I tweeted out that story after the you know, Saturday that was basically saying, I don't think Kentucky has a chance in this game, he said, you know what? That's actually kinda I, I'm I'm okay if we you know, are not able to, to win this game. Not all is going to be lost. I think if you look yeah. at what the selection committee did with putting Kentucky ahead of Ohio State. By the way, golf clap. Golf yeah. Clap. One bearded well golf done. clapper. Well done. Putting Kentucky ahead of Ohio State made as much sense as anything that the selection committee did last night. I think what that, what that sheds some light into is that the selection committee understands that Kentucky has a pretty solid resume to this point. Beating two teams that are still in the top 25 by yeah. double digits. Ohio State hasn't done that. Just saying. Nope. And you're going to potentially be in position to get to a New Year's Six Bowl if you're Kentucky. And that yep. 
would be a huge lift. Even if you can't win this game, the odds are still in their favor to finish with 10 wins and maybe even get to an 11 win mark in the postseason and, if they can win a bowl game. And they don't they don't care about about this. I, I don't think. I mean, like it's more fuel to the fire and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure again, Benny Snell. Yeah, Benny Snell is up there just writing stan letters to everybody that is doubting him. Okay? He's like, <laughs> just, just, you know, that's a dear, reference. Dear Heisman committee, I you still haven't called. Um, <laughs> anyway, but like he's he's gonna be pissed. I get that. But like the other part of it, like he's like this is the same as him for for the whole year. They're four and one as an underdog, straight up, right? They're fi- you're still laughing at the stand reference, aren't you? I'm still I just <laughs> okay. thought of I wrote you some letters back in autumn. You must not yeah. have got them. <laughs> Dear Slim, um, no. So, but they're five and zero. Oh. They're five and zero oh against the spread. That's pretty good. That's and, pretty good. And they've won. They're as a double digit underdog. They're two and zero oh outright. They've won two of those games outright. Like they're they're the best underdog team I think in the country. And it's impressive to see what they've been able to do um, in those games. You know, and you look at it and like I think Vegas. Vegas is well aware, and, and a lot of like the, the betters and sharps and stuff like that are, are on them early because that line opened at 12.5. It dropped down to 9.5. So a lot of people are thinking at least Kentucky's going to make this competitive, which I think they will too. I think it'll be a competitive game. And that atmosphere, oh man. And Je- I think Jesse Palmer brought it up last week, or brought it up last night. Imagine the scene, because next week Kentucky plays Duke in basketball, right? Or is it Kentucky-Kansas? Oh, uh, Duke. Play Duke. Okay. Kentucky-Duke, Tuesday night, right? Because college basketball's back. Imagine the scene in Lexington if they beat Georgia Ooh. and they are in the top six and they they control their own destiny. And then Benny Snell just has to start going back and watching old Bama tapes and just and standing letters to people over there in, in Birmingham and Tuscaloosa and stuff like that and the SEC officials office. Anyway, I just it'll be it's it's a really great time. It's a really what a time to be alive in Lexington. One more point I want to hit on with Georgia because I talked about this a couple weeks ago and why I did not feel good about them winning at LSU. And sure enough, we saw them be overwhelmed by the atmosphere, the speed that LSU played with. This is the third straight game that Georgia is playing against a top 15 team away from home. Yeah, That I think is significant. I think they figured some things out last week. We'll get to that later on with picks. But I think that's just something to remember, something to keep in the back of your mind for as raucous of an atmosphere as we expect it to be at Kroger Field. Remember that, because that's important. I think they're a little bit more battle-tested at this point. So let's go on to over-unders. We've got over-unders for five SEC games. Let's start first with A&M and Auburn. The battle of $7 million coaches. How many times over-under over 1.5 references to $7 million men? Over. Yeah. I'm I hope this over. game is a 0-0 tie. Why would you, no, why would you wish that upon anyone? Well, I mean, I think it'd be funny. That's why. I think it'd be hilarious to watch these two people like waste their money. You're saying that just because this game's at Jordan Hare, aren't you? Yeah, I definitely. Oh, and it's another brunch time. Brunch with the barn. I mean, it's crazy. They, they, that sucks. They have another one of these games scheduled like that. But regardless, wait, is it, it's a 12 o'clock kick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's over. I think it's definitely over. They're going to break. I mean, probably before kickoff. They'll show that they're two of the highest, I think five, two of the top five highest paid coaches in the country, which is pretty amazing to think about, but that's kind of where so we're After at. this game, they'll have one loss combined per million dollars they're being paid. Oh, I see what you did there. I was like, what, yeah. what are you talking about? Just my man. How many references will we get to strength of losses? I'm going to set the over-under at 2.5. So I'm going to say under because it only applies to one person. Well, yeah, that's one true. One team. It's A&M. And, and, and I'm not saying it in a bad way because, 
LSU got, I, I mean, Auburn got kind of robbed at the LSU game, the ending of that. I think that's how their fans feel, at least. That being said, like, it's just A&M fans, they will let you know about that strength of losses thing right from Jump Street, like just right right off the top. It, it's kind of, it's gotten to the point now where, like, I understand, if you were an A&M fan, you should have felt good about Clemson. The yeah. way that you went into Clemson, or the way that, you know, Clemson was coming in, you know, college game day is there, and you took them down to the wire, and it was a Lost great by two. game. It was an awesome game, and you could have maybe had a chance to win with the, you know, the fumble call, whatever. You're kind of, you should be more worried about, like, the quality wins. I understand, you got the Kentucky yeah. win at home, don't get me wrong, a very, very nice win to be able to hand Kentucky its only loss in overtime, all that stuff. But if your first argument with AM and why they're having a great season is quality losses, you should probably just, look elsewhere. That's a weird argument because it is. you don't you don't hear the Kentucky thing. You, I mean, right. you really don't. The only time I ever hear that brought up is Kentucky fans and Kentucky like people are like. I mean, they're unbeaten in regulation. They've only I, lost one game. Is on the road at, in, at Kyle Field. I think it's because we're still at the point now where if you start off by saying your best win is at Kentucky, we have not. Our, we have not trained our brains into thinking that that's a real big-time yeah. quality win, so that's why they're reluctant to say it. They're like, oh, we, beat, uh, we, we lost to Alabama. You know, it was pretty close. And Clemson, yeah, you don't see us call those timeouts and scramble to have the backdoor cover. Almost gave Uncle Chris a heart attack. Yeah, so, um, yeah, quality loss is definitely going to be a topic of conversation. How about over or under Jared Stidham passing yards in this game? I set it at 250. Uh, I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over, too, considering what Nick Fitzgerald did last week against my beloved Mike Elko against his defense, his past defense, not so hot last week. I'd say this yeah. is this should be a good opportunity for Jared Stidham coming off of a bye to be able to put up some big numbers uh, against that AM secondary that's been kind of struggling as of late. Yeah, agreed. Let's All move on. Early. Let's move on to South Carolina Ole Miss. Ole Miss fans, I love you. I'm here for you, and I get it. Another day of mimosas. The Grove is awesome, but it's November. And there's no postseason berth coming. So I am assuming that we're going to get a whole lot of empty stadium shots. And maybe half empty stadium shots is the best way to say it because it's a sleepy kick. It's South Carolina. They're not ranked. I'm going to say we're going to get 6.5 half empty stadium shots. That's what that's what I'm saying the over-under at. What are you taking? Way under. I think Ole Miss comes out to this week. And here's why. I think they had a week off. And I think they're gonna they're gonna kind of they're rejuvenating themselves a little bit. Um, maybe they had some Gatorade. Probably had some nice fish tacos. You know, dusted off the old chandelier for the tailgate. Pickled martini. All those things. Had a nice little pickled martini. Mm-hmm. Try to get you a little drunk and make sure you don't cramp up at the same time. Yep. That's a big problem for me. Almost every Saturday night when I go to sleep. Regardless, I'm impressed with Ole Miss this year. Um, you know, Vegas had the win total at six. They are at five and three. Uh, they've looked, I, I, you know. The offense still looks great. They're going to be without, um, was it Demarcus Lodge or is it? Uh, DK Metcalf for the rest of the year. Yeah. So they still have, you know, two of the receivers from the NWO. I like Ole Miss a lot. I think this is one of those games. These teams haven't played each other in nine years. So I think this is one of those things where South Carolina fans hopefully will make the trip because it's worth it to see the Grove. It's incredible. So I don't think it'll be that that empty. I think it's a, a very competitive game between two programs, like where they're both at um, talent-wise. So I, I think it'll actually be pretty good. And you got to remember, last year in November, Matt Luke went three and one. Good point. Good point. Yeah, and in a season where you're not going to the postseason, that's that's a pretty impressive feat to be able to accomplish. And of course, if you win the Egg Bowl, that counts for two. Yeah. Um, South Carolina rushing yards. I'm setting the over under at two ten, and I'm going to tell you why I set the over under at two ten after you tell me which side you're taking. 
Well, I mean, it would help if you just told me what it was first. No, no, no. no. Just, just okay. tell me. What, what do you think? I'm going way over on this one. I know going into the Auburn game, Ole Miss was giving up an average of 269 yards per game rushing. Nice. Uh, I think that, yeah, nice. I think, I think Carol, I mean, that's just the way to beat Ole Miss. That really is. Like, their defense is bad in general, but, you know, they're giving up 497 yards total per game. They're giving up 269 on the ground. I'm going to take South Carolina to go over on this one big time. I took 210 because the first game of SEC play, Ole Miss allowed 210 rushing yards to Alabama. Since that game, every single SEC opponent has rushed for more than 210 yards against yep. Ole Miss. Yeah. So even though it is a South Carolina rushing, running offense that's been up and down this year, Rico Dottle had a nice week last week against Tennessee. But Rico Dottle. I would still say that the over hits. I'm always going to take the over when it comes to rushing yards allowed for Ole Miss. That's yeah, just great. pretty standard. Let's move on to Mizzou and Florida. A tough, tough matchup, I think, for, for Barry Odom. Trying to trying to get on the board in SEC play this year. Did not think that it would take until November to do that. A team that you thought was going to be second place in this division that is not Man, happening. I'm glad you could bring that up, man. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk Drew Locke touchdown passes. Keep in mind... I'm going to set the over-under at one. Keep in mind that Drew Locke has one touchdown pass in SEC play this season, and it was the dime that he threw in the corner of the end zone against Alabama. Man, you are just hammering me today. Um, I'm going to say this. I will say this. I'm going to say under because Florida is really good in the secondary. Um, This game is, I feel like, the six, it's a weird line. It's a really weird line, it but is. I will say I will say that's at a push at best for Mizzou and Drew Locke. Yeah, I would say probably a push. I think he gets one. I think he is able to, to connect on a deep ball. We don't know by the time that we record. By the time that this comes out, maybe we'll know the status of Emmanuel Hall. I know that the topic of a, a red shirt utilizing that new rule is right. a, is potentially out there for him. We still don't know his status. We thought he was going to play last week against Kentucky, and then sure enough, he doesn't. The Mizzou offense looks like garbage, and here we are a week later still asking the same questions. So, uh, yeah, it's tough to really say that Drew Locke is going to hit the over on that one. It would definitely have to be a big-time performance against a really good secondary. How many angry Florida team references are we going to get in this one? I set the over-under at 3.5. Um, yeah, I would say, I, I would say over, and the only reason is this, not only because they lost to, um, Georgia last week, and not only because that one guy strangled somebody, um, allegedly, and it, <laughs> allegedly, um, no, and, and then, but on top of that, like, it's not just losing to, uh, to Georgia, it's the fact that they got boat raced by this team, favorite phrase, lost by four touchdowns to Missouri last year. Good point. Oh Thanks. yeah, I, I totally forgot. This is the CC Jefferson Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and and this is so like going into this game, like you know, Florida had their way with with uh, Missouri. You know, two of the past three years before this, but you look at some of this, like the 2014, 2013 game. These these weren't close. I mean, these are. I'm looking at it right now. You're you're talking about an average of like losing by 25 and a half points in 2013, 2014, 2017. So three of the past five seasons, Missouri. Not only has one big, but like it kind of embarrassed this team. This would be a big, big win for Barry Odom to get. I don't know if that's going to happen. How many times in this game will we get references to Barry Odom's job security? I'm going to set the over/under at 4.5. It's got to be way over because it, it. I mean, and it's it's not. 
It's not. It's because it's November and all that kind of stuff too. And he uh, hasn't been there that long. It seems like, but man, year three. The, the way he loses. Oh. Yeah, that's that's the tough thing is that if you it's get some of these, beautiful. <laughs> if you get some of these big time wins where no everybody's counting you out, it, that's all well and good. But gosh, Mizzou has just been so bad against quality teams, and you've got to be able to get one. And if you could get one in the swamp on the road against a top fifteen team, a very proven top fifteen team. I think that that would go a long way toward getting some of that respect back, even though Mizzou isn't competing for a division title, and at this right. point it's just about bowl eligibility. So um, let's move on to Charlotte traveling Charlo. to Knoxville to face Tennessee. Um, how many times are we going to, speaking of bowl eligibility, how many times are we going to hear about Tennessee's bowl eligibility from the broadcast team in this game? I set the over-under at four. I would say over because there's not going to be much else to talk about in this game, really especially not. that that fourth fourth quarter. It's just going to be one of those things. Like I think they'll beat Charlotte. Now, granted, I brought this up on Sunday. Charlotte, mm-hmm. Charlotte. Thank you for or as they it, say right? in Louisiana. Oh, is that correct? Yeah, I think it's correct. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Tennessee bowl eligibility references. I'm going to say over because you know they're, if they win this game, they do close with Kentucky. Uh, Vandy and Mizzou, and they get Mizzou at home. I don't think they're good enough to be Kentucky, obviously. Um, but Jerry Garantano, yeah, you just continue to disrespect him in your quarterback rankings, man. Oh, I, I think, knew you were this. I mean, I, well, I'm sorry. You <laughs> like, you know, you hold me accountable for my share references. I'm gonna hold you accountable for your trash Fair. quarterback rankings. Fair. Um, and I, I'm kidding when I say trash, but at ten, and I, I just I do all I can to bring up these stats for you and. Him going 68-3, and three, or 68.3% completion percentage on road games, uh, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, 211 yards passing per game with like a, with just no offensive line, you know, I, I think that he will lead them to a bowl. Yeah, it's tough to – it's really, really difficult to evaluate quarterbacks that have struggling offensive line play. That's a unit that really missed Trey Smith last week. Even um, with him, man. Yeah, that's uh, maybe maybe I'll bump them up just because of what you said. Uh, you Thanks. Well, they're just it. stats. It doesn't have to be yeah. what I said. Just you know. Uh, how many times Jeremy Banks, who has become like a two-way folk hero in a in a way for for Tennessee, playing this bruising running back role and also switching to the other side of the ball and playing line. Switching the other side of the ball and playing linebacker. I love that Jeremy Pruitt does this. We saw him coaching him up at linebacker, teaching him how to tackle all that stuff. How many times are we going to get references to that storyline itself? I set the over under at 2.5. Uh, not enough for me to care. Boom. Wow. All right. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take the over on that one because I think it's actually a really cool story and whatever. I mean, crapped all over it. I <laughs> just yeah. It's I'm sorry, Tennessee fans. I just I think there are other stories that are happening in Tennessee that are more entertaining. Jared Garantano. Fine. Let's move on to the last SEC game, Louisiana Tech against Mississippi State. Last year, this game was at Louisiana Tech. I don't know how in the world that happened, but so stupid. that did not make any sense whatsoever. This year, uh, the game sets up very well for Mississippi State coming off of the big win last week against Texas A&M. I think we're going to see a whole bunch of Nick Fitzgerald highlights from last week. I'm going to set the over-under at 5.5. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'd say over. I'm going mean, to take the over as well. That's And that's good for him to get back on one of those things. Like, what he'll do, oh man, the the numbers he will put up in this offense, I think, against Ole Miss are going to be such a great way to capitalize and highlight, you know, put like an exclamation point on a great career at Mississippi State. However, you know, in a season where he has really underwhelmed a lot of us, I mean, like 
outside of Waterworld, there are not a lot of things that have underwhelmed me more than watching Nick Fitzgerald play. Um, if you haven't seen Waterworld, don't. Anyway, Nick Fitzgerald, you know, that was, that was great to see him, you know, still kind of, still got it, never lost it, one of those moments last week. I think um, we should all be on the lookout for Keaton Thompson in this game too. How many? Oh, let's do a quick impromptu over under. Keaton Thompson touchdown passes over under one point five. I'll go under. I'm gonna take the over. I think I'm taking the over <laughs> on everything this week. Yeah. Maybe I'm just feeling good. Uh, it's Halloween. I haven't had sugar in like a month because we've been doing sugar fast. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't had treats in a month. Is what I is what I should You're say. You're not but. a dog. What are you talking I, about? You haven't had treats in a month. Eh, my wife's away at a wedding this weekend. She wanted to be able to you know do the whole like month long diet because she's standing up in the wedding and all that stuff. Shout so, out whatever. to. Are you going? No, I'm actually not because I've got. No. You know, it's kind of and an important shout out weekend. to your wife and for you for having that kind of awesome relationship. That is, and that's not me throwing shade at my fiance because she's great and she would not make me go to a wedding. But um, yeah, that's awesome, man. Good for good for you guys. Sugar fast. We've done the opposite. We there are no more Snickers, almond joys, or Reese's cups <laughs> to pass out to trick or treaters because we've already gone through them all. Yowza, that's impressive. I wish yeah. I could say the same. Um, all right, last over under here. How many strength of loss references are we going to get from Mississippi State? I set the over under at one point five. Keep in mind that. Mississippi State, while we expected them to win games like Florida and Kentucky, have actually looked a little bit better. And, you, and then you throw in the LSU loss as well. All three of those teams that I looked at in the beginning of the season, I thought those were going to be wins for Mississippi State because I had them at 7-1 in the SEC. Yeah. But they're all three losses to top 15 teams. And I'm just saying, there are going to be some strength of loss discussions 1.5. Is there any chance they're going to talk about Over, that more? Because it's again they're playing law tech and you got to dress it up somehow. And, and the, the the real thing is here strength of loss away from home references. Are you going to have? Point. Good point. Uh, before we kick it to our interview with Peter Burns, why don't you tell us about the beverage of choice that you're going to be consuming a lot of this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I already have man. Not right now during the actual uh, broadcast. Um, so, but yeah, a decent amount during the weekend. Uh, I will say my favorite drink of choice is uh, around Halloween is two things. Ecto Cooler, High Sea Punch, or our friends from Bud Light. They make a hell of a concoction. Uh, there are a few things that go to better, better together than college football and an ice-cold Bud Light. Bud Light, everyone knows this, is game day's favorite light lager. Uh, we've been working with the folks with Bud Light for a few years now. They do amazing stuff with college football fans. Love it. It's one of my favorite things to do every single weekend. Make sure you're enjoying it responsibly, okay? Don't, you know, don't do... The crazy thing and, and have too many and then pass out. I don't know. You know, you run out of Halloween candy next thing you know, you're passing out your household items. It Good happens point. to the best of us. I've seen it happen a million times. So make sure you're consuming it responsibly. And also, maybe make sure you wait, wait until Friday or Saturday before you consume it at all. All right, LSU fans, pace yourselves. It's going to be a big weekend. Saturdays are better down south with a nice cold Bud Light, okay? Bud Light celebrates college football and reminds all fans to enjoy the game and drink responsibly. So make sure. I know Uncle Chris is going to be doing it this weekend. Make sure you have a, a couple of ice-cold Bud Lights. And it's going to be so nice outside. I'm going to do what I did a couple weeks ago. Put that little 6 or 12-pack outside on the patio where it's nice and cold instead of using the fridge. There you go. Smart. That is really, really smart. Let's go to our interview with Peter Burns. We're excited to welcome back our favorite Cajun SEC Network host who also has a fantasy football team with Bun B, uh, a.k.a. Peter Burns. Peter, first question, and this is probably the most important question that we're going to ask you, how is Bun and how is the fantasy football team? Uh, doing well. We, we've had, we haven't hit the waiver wire. I mean, that's the issue with him touring. 
uh, and being out and about and actually being like important as opposed to me. We don't really, really necessarily like roll into the waiver wire every like Tuesday morning and be like, Hey, what are we thinking? So, um, yeah, we've had better days. We're sitting at four and three, I believe right now, but that's okay. You know, we're going to go back to the drawing board, maybe bring on some staffers, maybe get Butch Jones to come be an analyst for us. Like we're, we're, we're looking at all types of options here for our team going forward. Uh, I set the over-under at 2.5 LSU players that you made Bun B draft. Is that over or under? <laughs> well, I did get Todd Gurley, which ended up working out pretty well for us. So, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, you know what's so funny is I hosted a fantasy football show for Fox Sports Radio for like six years. Um, that was the first national show I ever had. And living in Denver, like I was all in on the on, on the NFL, and now being the anchor here in the SEC network and just working in college sports so much, I'm like so far out of the loop on NFL compared to how I used to be. Like I used to be able to tell you, okay, here's the fourth string uh, wide receiver who may get a couple of runs, you know, in in in, in, in late into a game or like waiver wire pickups. And now I'm just like, I'm pretty sure. Kurt Warner's no longer in the league, but I, I got to look it up. Like I got to Google it. Like it's, it's bad. So I just, <laughs> I just decided to just draft as many SEC players as possible. Uh, and Dak Prescott sadly has let me down uh, at the quarterback position there for the Cowboys so far. Uh, we know that you still are very much on all things college football, and we know that you know all things playoff. You got riled up on Twitter last night because my good friend Joel Klatt called for SEC bias from the selection committee. Uh, tell us why the SEC is the best and the haters like Joel should just deal with it. Uh, well, listen, I mean, listen, I think in, in all fairness, like for somebody hit me up on Twitter, they're like, I just can't stand idiot Joel Klatt. He always acts like he's the smartest guy in the room. And I responded to the guy, I'm like, the deal is, is traditionally Joel is the smartest guy in the room. Like I know Joel <laughs> back from our Denver days, and he's a really good dude, um, and he gets fired up. And I think there is some truth to what he says, right? There is an inherent bias. I mean, unless you're dealing with computer formulas, there every single person that's on the college football committee grew up watching college football, and the brands are the brands. And over the last decade, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, you, can, you, you can't argue with the fact that SEC has been dominant uh, conference when it comes to college football. You've had other teams like Clemson or Ohio State, but when it comes down to it, when you play the 11 out of the 12 last national championships or when you win nine of them when, by four different teams, right, and you have seven teams ranked in the top 20 in the college football playoff and every year the NFL draft is number one uh, list of SEC players, but yeah, guess what? That's going to creep into your mind because that's the freaking fact. And so I don't. I was just kind of shocked when I see. I'm not shocked because I'm just kind of sick and tired of everybody saying, "Well, well, you know, the SEC it's so biased and whatnot." I'm like, first of all, the AP voters aren't aren't just a bunch of us in the SEC footprint going, "Yeah, let's just vote ourselves pretty good." Like there's 60 some odd writers from across the country picked from different regions. They all agree on these rankings each and every year. And, oh, by the way, the College Football Committee is an even a more of an elite group made up of committee members all across the United States, not just in the SEC footprint, and they believe that to be the case. So if the sample size of people who are voting is like that way, if the GMs are talking about that, if the trophies at the end of the day are coming to the SEC, well, damn it, that just means the SEC is the best in football and you're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Objectively speaking, though, what is the one team that you think could actually give Alabama, I mean, the SEC, a run for their money? 
You mean you don't think Kentucky is going to run the table? Untested. <laughs> I can't believe that. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, I, listen, I think there's a couple of teams. I, I think um, Clemson has hit a different gear. Once they decide to give the, the keys to Trevor Lawrence each and every week, he's gotten more and more comfortable taking the reins. Um, and I think he, they have played extremely well. They have great defense in that front seven. They can run the ball uh, with Travis Etienne and T. Higgins and that group of wide receivers are, are legit. So, absolutely, I think Clemson's legit. I think Oklahoma as well. Once they're going to get that, that – they got the defense looking a little better the last two weeks, and they can put up a bunch of points in a heart a heartbeat, right? Like we've seen that with Kyler Murray. So, um, I think those are probably – and outside of that, I think LSU is in that mix of Notre Dame, Michigan – kind of air gray area and now even kind of include Georgia but not so much in that in the fact that they have really good defenses and they can make life hard on Alabama but I don't think they can beat them but I think Clemson and Oklahoma are two teams that could potentially on the right spot um, uh, defeat Alabama let's get back to the, the big one here uh, Bama LSU I'm sure that you haven't been able to to sleep much all week as a native Cajun I need to. I need you to tell us, as big Coach O enthusiasts, why the Tigers are going to shock the world on Saturday night. Well, I mean, I would lie to you and say, here's what they're going to do and win that game. I mean, listen, I'm a diehard LSU fan, right? And I'm the biggest. I'm the biggest stand when it comes to LSU football. <laughs> I, I just. I can't see that happening. And and the reason why is because let's just say. Let's just say that you hold Alabama to a decent first half. What does a decent first half look like? All right, I think twenty points. Is that is that fair yeah. to say Alabama minus yeah. you know twenty points in the first half is is good? Okay, so if that's the case, and you can get Devin White in the back on the back end of it, I still think Alabama, with how talented they are, is going to score thirty five points in this game. It can LSU's offense, who has been a lot, you know, not much aligned, but they've had some issues this year. Can they score 35? I just don't. I don't see that math happening at all, and and it kills me because listen, I just paid a pretty penny to go buy uh, my flights, my tickets. I'm going to the game, oh, right? Nice. And I cannot wait. And my liver is deathly afraid because I've taken yes. off Saturday at the SEC <laughs> Network and I've taken off my Sunday ESPN radio show. So I mean, like. I've already wrote, wrote my liver a post-it note and an apology note, and I'm <laughs> already packing the Pedialyte, um, put myself on a liver and kidney transplant list. Like, I'm going all in on this weekend, boys. And Hero. here's the deal. It just I, – I, I, I'm upset with myself for spending this amount of money for the 2% chance that, Alabama, that LSU actually wins this game. Yeah, you know, first off, I want to say I'm so I'm so proud to know that I'm not the only person that when it's a rough Saturday night and I got a rough Sunday morning ahead of me, I'm not the only person reaching for a, a bottle of Pedialyte. No, I mean that's a that's a pro move. Listen, I mean, this is uh, this is uh, not my first rodeo, kids. I mean, like I've I've, yeah. I've, I'm, I've been doing this for two decades. So what you do is you always do a um, three drink to one water ratio. Um, that'll get you going. That that'll set a yep. nice little foundation of hydration because it's not really the alcohol that kills you at, at night right that's just the hangover it's being so dehydrated the next day yeah so the money move there is to go three to one four to one if you're feeling a little froggy and what you end up doing is take a in, in down a pedialyte before you go to bed wake up in the morning there's already a pedialyte on the nightstand boom you do all those boom. things you're ready to rock and roll 
I, I think I'm, I'm just saying, you know, as a 32-year-old man without a child, it's it doesn't look as good when I'm buying the Pedialyte, regardless of that. <laughs> regardless of that. Um, regardless of what happens Saturday night, Coach O has exceeded so many expectations this season. Does that does this season solidify, you know, that he's the guy in your eyes or in the eyes of Tiger fans? Yeah, I don't think there's a doubt. I mean, unless they win, lose out every single game, I think every LSU fan has turned that corner going, okay, we love Coach Coach O. He's our guy. And I was – listen, I, I was – I was selling uh, as much LSU stock or, or telling people to buy LSU stock, I should say, uh, before the season because I was down there and I really got a sense of what they were doing. Um, and the thing is, is they weren't recruiting in the quote-unquote sexy parts, right? Like it wasn't as if, oh, my gosh, look at this unbelievable next Leonard Fournette or this next Kyler right. Murray or Tua. It was, okay, well, that's a backup defensive lineman and that's a good offensive lineman who's pretty solid. Like – it wasn't these, oh, my gosh, look at it. But when I talked to people down there and I saw how they played, I'm like, this is depth that LSU hasn't had in a long time, uh, not even in, in some of the less miles years. So, to me, again, I, I, I saw it happening the right way. Um, and, yeah, I think he has turned the corner. And, and good for – oh, man, I mean, he's had to put up with a bunch of crap. And, um, you know, and that's unfortunate. And good for Joe Oliva, too. I, I will tell you this. A yeah. lot of people were upset. The athletic department, the athletic director, they're like, "Why did you hire O and and stuff?" I think the O hiring looks a whole lot better now. Um, and you know, Oliva sat in, I sat in his office and we talked and we closed the door and he's like, "Listen, you know, everybody will say what they want about Ed Ogeron. You know, if you don't hire, I'm not going to hire a recruiter and not give him time to recruit the guys that he needs. That's that's just right. idiotic." Um, and so they were going to give him some time and. I think they're already ahead of schedule, and I think that's already shown in recruiting. Um, and more importantly, him going to bat for Christian Fulton and getting him reinstated by the NCAA is the only reason why LSU is at this point right now and um, the fact that they even have a puncher's shot come Saturday night. Okay, so you say that they got a 2% shot, a, a puncher's shot, what, all that stuff. Be honest, though, you you and Greg McElroy, you've got a bet on this game. I know you do. Um, tell us what exactly the bet is and how long do you have to wear his old Alabama jersey if you lose? Listen, I wouldn't I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Uh, actually, it's not really the, the McElroy bet that I'm worried about. It's the bet that I have with my wife because she's a diehard Alabama fan and I'm a diehard Ooh. LSU fan. So Love every it. year Love we it. have a bet. Like one of our dogs is named Saban because, sure enough, we got a dog and she got to name it. And, of course, she named it Saban because, well, they won the game. And uh, the following year we had bought, like, this really nice couch, uh, you know, big family couch in the house. And I still owed, I don't know, whatever. We, we still had half of the balance on it. It was a four-digit balance that we owed. And so I said, all right, I'll take LSU minus nine and a half. And she said, deal. Well, <laughs> LSU lost 10 to zero. So I had to pay oh, maybe, thousands that. of dollars that I had to pay because of that game. And so I'm trying to – I don't know what the bet's going to be this year. I know what it is if Alabama covers the 14 and a half. If it is, she gets a full day at the spa, and I have to give yeah. up the Xbox for two weeks, which oh, is just, man. I mean, yeah. like the money in Fortnite sucks, but the idea that I'd have to give up Fortnite or Red Dead Redemption for two weeks, like, makes me shiver. Um, so i, I got to figure out what my bet is going to be, and I, I don't know what it is yet. 
<laughs> I mean, we're definitely doing one. Like, I will sing Neck if Bama loses, mainly because I want to sing Neck because I love Neck and I love Coach O. But um, so I'll say this, and I, I love how open you are about being an LSU fan because, as everyone on here knows, one of my biggest flaws, I always say, is I'm a huge Bama fan. I grew up in Atlanta. I was subjected to Catholic school growing up. So for 2000, like for me, 2012, that was a dream season, dream ending for me because, you know, Bama beat Auburn, Georgia, Notre Dame right in a row. What would be your dream close to this season? Um, gosh, that's a great question. You know, the dream close would be LSU beating Alabama in an incredible game where Devin White takes a pick six to the house. Right. Like the high ball game Tua throws his first interception to Devin White. He like grabs Mike, the tiger holds him above his head. And like, they just oh, rally God. through like the gymnasium up to the quad, like in, like in, right. Like oh, green your hat. So then Alabama has one loss. All, all chaos happens, right? Clemson ends up losing. Uh, LSU beats Kentucky uh, in the SEC championship game. So LSU goes to the college football playoff. They're coming in as probably, I don't know, maybe like a maybe a one or two seed at that point. Alabama is still in because they are, so their only this. one loss is this. Um, and then – uh, all I know is I want to have Notre Dame in there just so Golick and Golick Jr. can just absolutely cry tears when um, LSU or Bama beats them by 50 uh, in, in a college football playoff. And then maybe UCF as well somehow gets in so we can kind of shut that down that whole experiment as well. Okay, so Peter, you, you led in perfectly to this new game that yeah. we're trying out with all of our guests. Um, this this new game is called Say Something Nice. It's where I tell you to say something nice about something and you have to do it because, well, there's too much negativity in the world and we all need to be, you know, talking about rainbows and sunshine. So, say something nice dogs. about Notre Dame. puppy dogs, yes. Puppy dogs, too. Yeah. Say, say something nice about Notre Dame for us. Say something nice about Notre Dame. I like the movie Rudy. Okay, that was what I was. Oh. That was going to be my next one. Was say something nice about the movie Rudy, but you kind of already took care of that. So that's that's good. How about say something nice about Mike Golick and Mike Golick Jr. Um, they're handsomely paid. Oh, oh, nice. I like that. That's really good. Okay. okay. Um, so, how about we we close by, with by this? The way, how by about, the way, you realize? I mean, so people don't understand. Me and Golick and Golick Jr. are boys. Like, like we're good. Yeah. Like, it's not – I mean, now, this yeah. is not like a, a structured bit where I'm like, hey, I'm texting you. I'm going to give you crap and you give me crap back and forth. No, like, Golick Sr. was pissed at me, right, for, for oh calling out Notre Dame. And Golick Jr. is like, yeah, Dad, let's go get him. And so, like, I got the after me right now. Um, but, I mean, like, Golick Jr. and I are going to go grab dinner and drinks in Baton Rouge this weekend. So, like, for people to think that I'm calling him out, like – it's it, it's fine. Like we can we can agree to disagree and not hate each other. Something that should be done in in politics and in real yeah. life, and especially comes sports. Uh, we were talking college football. Okay, fair so that enough, being said, enough. let's. I mean, first off, if you need backup, I've been in bulking season for the past year and a half, so I'm I'm there on, on Saturday if you need me. <laughs> uh, second second off. All right, so I'm gonna give you three real quick. Uh, say something nice about Saban's hair, or lack thereof. Um, it's hanging in there, man. You know, each and every year it seems to get it, it seems to get nicer and fuller. So yeah, I hope I have that 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 good of a situation brewing when I'm I'm what early sixties. Um, say something nice about Saban's NFL career. Uh, it landed him the Alabama Crimson Tide job. 
beautiful. And last but not least, say something nice about Ohio State fans. I just can't do that. I can't bring myself. Yeah. Out. Come on, guys. You know, I mean, like, listen, I played along with you a bit. I gave you five questions. I just can't. Um, say something no, nice. You know what? Don't. Ohio just don't. You know no, no, don't. It's better, it's better that you don't. I'll give you one. They're not Florida State fans. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. I like that. I so, like that. So, um, that being said, we're gonna we're gonna we'll close with this. This is, this is the most important question we've had. And, and Peter, like I know, despite our haircuts, people, you know, we're both we're both big fans of hip hop. I think people know that. Um, I don't have a fantasy team with with Bun B. Regardless, so I've always said this for the past several years. This this game between LSU and Bama, real versus real, it is the toughest matchup um, I think in all the SEC. And there's one verse from a Lil Wayne song called Duffel Bag Boy. I'm sure you've heard it, and I thought it was always summed up. It's always summed up Bama LSU perfectly. He says, let that little money walk, call me what you want, but don't call me for front. What rap verse best sums up this rivalry for you? Uh, gosh, I was going to say the first, the not even the lyrics, but whenever Tupac starts with hit him up, oh, and he starts yes. talking about... <laughs> about faith evans like i think that maybe is a proper that's a lot that's a lot pete uh, to get into it I, I probably won't dive into the actual lyrics because you can go ahead and, and go to um G- yeah rapgenius.com and figure that out um yeah like i just i i want again this has become this has become a, uh, such a cool rivalry in the fact that like it matters like it feels like a college football playoff game every single year and that's the reason why i'm spending a bunch of money to go down there even though i fully well pretty much know what's going to happen because i can't i almost like uh, like won't allow myself to not be in that stadium if the craziness happens that is a ball game down in baton rouge so um again man i'm looking forward to it uh i can't wait for that one and I'm, i'm not joking i still even though i think georgia is a more talented team um, than Kentucky, I still think Kentucky is a perfect matchup uh, with what what ails the the Bulldogs right now, and I think it actually ends up being Kentucky that wins uh, the game against Georgia, and they headed to Ooh. the SEC championship. Wow, wow! Like we'll that. let you go on that. We'll let you go on that fire take, Peter. Uh, enjoy the weekend in Baton Rouge. Thoughts and prayers, your liver. And by the way, happy birthday to your beautiful daughter, Bo. Yeah. Born on Halloween, sharing a birthday with Saban. That is awesome. Shout out to her. Uh, yeah, shout out to uh, the wifey, my goat wife, who's, uh, who's <laughs> the best of. Uh, listen, I'm like a 14 year old kid living my dream, like playing video games and talking college football for a living. <laughs> She's the one that does the hard work. So uh, shout out to Lauren Burns, who's the real boss. <laughs> awesome. 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 Peter, we, we will do this again uh, very, very soon. Enjoy the weekend, man. Always, boys. Big, big thank you to Peter Burns. That was a lot of fun. I love how he slipped that little fire take in at the end about uh, Georgia, Kentucky. Still trying to catch my breath um, from the hit him up <laughs> reference because that is one of my favorite lines of all time. I, it was so aggressively beautiful. It was good. Good stuff here today. Let's let's uh, segue into picks then. Uh, we've got a lot to get to. We got seven to get to. Seven picks, and we've got a bunch of Halloween stuff that we got to get to. So let's start with that A and M Auburn game. We, by the way, let's also remember uh, we pre- I predicted this spread correctly. Okay, um, yeah. So first off, I don't know why you're stepping on my toes here, Connor. Uncle Chris, okay. taking over Take picks over. for the week. Let's do this, guys. Uh, I started out two and zero last night. Bet on some action. Bet on the over, which is the only way to go. Um, there's Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday games now. That's my favorite thing in the world. So, 
We, on Sunday, as you know, we tried to pick out the uh, what we thought the spread would be, so we have the actual spreads now. Let's get to it. First game, it is a noon kick at the barn. Texas A&M going to Auburn. The line currently is at four and a half. Connor, uh, last Sunday I said three and a half. You said four and a half. You were right on the money. Boom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay hot. I'm, I'm picking Auburn to win this one uh, at home coming off of a bye week. Think that they figure some things out offensively, and they're actually able to move the ball uh, in the passing game. Big week for Jared Sidham, and uh, AM kind of goes through its first sort of rough patch of the season. I'm going to say the same. I think Auburn covers. Uh, the four and a half is a little weird because of the hook. I don't really like that, but I could see it being like a 21-24, 28-24 type game, or 21-17, 28-24 type game. Um, Gus seems always rally in, in November. I'll say that. This is true. So, this is true. Next game, we have another brunch kick. Uh, South Carolina, for the first time in nine years, heads to the Grove in beautiful Oxford, Mississippi. Oh, Come on down here. Have a pickled martini. Uh, we predicted, I said it would be Ole Miss two and a half. You said South Carolina one and a half. Us two damn geniuses uh, just right in the middle. This is a yep. pick em. Right in the Right in the middle. What do you, what do you got? Boom. I'm going to take Carolina to win this one on the road. I think they go into Oxford, Mississippi. And I think they're able to run the ball all over that defense. I say it every single week. I'm just not sold on the idea that Ole Miss can beat like even an average uh, SEC team. So I know they did last year in the Egg Bowl, but since then it's been a little bit rough. So uh, yeah, give me uh, Jake Bentley to actually do some good things offensively in this one in the first half and not just in the second half. And Carolina... Gets a nice win on the road. So I hate I hate this pick so much. Um, but listen, here's what, I, here's what I'll say. I don't want to pick Ole Miss because I know how bad their defense is. That's the ultimate get-right game, like we've said so many times this season. But like I said before, Matt Luke, 3-1 in November, coming off a of bye week. He's got to fight to keep the attention of that fan base, of that, of that team. I think Ole Miss comes out. They play inspired. I think they beat South Carolina as much as I hate to say it. That home game, uh, a little sleepy tired, a little sleepy tired early on. So I think uh, Ole Miss wins that game. Next game, we head on down to the Swampland. We got Missouri coming off yet another just almost impossible loss, but against all odds, managed to do it. Heading to the Swamp. They are a five and a half point underdog to the Florida Gators. What do you got? Oh, hold on real quick. We said this was going to be... Now, you ready for this? It's at five and a half now. It opened at six. I said six and a half. Connor, you said six and a half. We were right on it again. Boom. We're, we're getting the hang of this. I yeah. know... We, we, are, we are really finding our niche. I know we had some rough ones later on, but for now we're finding our niche. Um, I think Florida covers in this game. I think it's hard to pick Mizzou right now given how much Drew Locke has struggled and given what this offense has been limited to do. I think this is a Florida team that can get off the edge and, and rush the passer. We saw that when they did that with Joe Burrow. I think Florida wins this game by a couple of touchdowns. I completely agree. And I hate to say that because you know, anybody that pays attention to when I bring up these spreads, five and a half, it's my favorite spread. Take the underdog. 73% of the time they cover. 41% of the time they win. It's done me well this season. I don't think that happens here. I think Florida does come out angry. I think they come out inspired. I think they win. Uh, next game, we have Charlotte, as you say, heading to yep. Rocky Top at Knoxville. Um, Tennessee is, We I think we said, you said a 13-point favorite. I said 17-and-a-half. Tennessee opens as a 21-point a, a favorite. So this is the furthest one that we had. This was it's our worst pick. Yeah, this was our worst pick. Um, that probably leads into it. I, I, 21 just seems like a lot for, for Tennessee to cover. Um, I, I know that they've done some good things offensively with Jared Garantano, the underrated Jared Garantano, there it is. to say. Um, but I just think 21 is just still a little bit too much. I think, uh, I, I'll be honest, haven't looked a whole lot into Charlotte. Love Charlotte, the city. Beat Southern Miss last week. 
Um, yeah, beat Southern Miss. Southern Miss is a team that faces basically every SEC team every single year. So um, we're going to go, I'm going to say that Tennessee only wins this game by 17, and they fail the cover, but it's, you know, three-possession game throughout. Yeah. So Tennessee early in the season, they, they've not played well in Knoxville, in my opinion, this year. Obviously, everyone remembers the debacle of what happened against Florida. I'm not going to throw in the Bama game because that's not, it's kind of unfair. But, you know, early in the game against uh, East Tennessee State and against uh, UTEP, they only give up three points in two weeks to those teams. So I think this is one of those things. I think they've been playing a lot better over the past month. I, I, I keep like seeing the praises of Jared Garantano, his numbers on the road. I think he has those numbers at home against this defense. So I'm going to take Tennessee to cover. I think they win by at least 28. Uh, up next, we have yet another one that we nailed. La Tech heads to Mississippi State. Finally, the second half of that home-and-home home <laughs> that Mississippi State is playing for some reason. So yeah. we said going into this game, I said it would be a 21 21- Point favorite for Mississippi State. You said 24. And Dame O'Connor, it is Mississippi State 22 and a half. Right dad gum in the middle. That is how we draw it up right there. That's teamwork at its finest. That's unreal. I've said this a lot with Mississippi State in the offense. The learning curve is, it takes a bit of time to get Joe Moorhead's offense down. But once it clicks, I think it clicks. And I think last week we saw what it was capable of looking like. They've blown out non-conference opponents this year. I mean, let's not forget that. As much as they've struggled offensively against the better SEC defenses, they have done really, really well in non-conference play. I think they win this game easily by four or five scores. We see some Keaton Thompson and Mississippi State clinches bowl eligibility. Yeah, I would agree, except for the fact. So this game early in the year, they played um, LSU uh, at Tigers at, at Death Valley. Uh, LSU won 38-21. It was one of those we thought it was kind of like a sleepy game. They had an extra week off to prepare. Um, this is like a Skip Holtz offense. There's a couple people besides Lou Holtz that had uh, Lou LaTeX to win outright. I don't see oh. that happening by any means at all. Um, 22 and a half is weird. Anytime there's a hook involved, not a big fan of that. And that's just not a Halloween reference. Am I right, man? Anyway, moving on. I think Mississippi State wins. I think they cover the spread. I think this is one of those things, again, kind of you know feeding off what happened last week. Keep this little train rolling with Nick Fitzgerald. Uh, I think Keaton Thompson probably plays a little bit as well. But, yeah, I like Mississippi State to win. I like them to cover. Um, all right, moving on to the marquee matchups of the week. We've got Georgia. Georgia. Head on down. By the way, real quick, you know I can tell you and Peter Burns aren't, aren't true Southerners, even though Peter's from, from Cajun land? He didn't pronounce the P in Clemson. He did say LSU, though. Yes, that is true. Okay, that is he true. He did say that. I shouldn't I challenge him on that because he he's about as Southern as they come. He's the man. Yeah. Um, anyway, UGA heads to Lexington, which you said is the biggest game in Lexington in 40 years. Hell, I'd say ever, man, because I don't know what even you're talking about 40 years ago, <laughs> what happened there. If it ain't a horse race or a bourbon tasting, I ain't been to it in the state of Kentucky. So Georgia opens up as a 12 and a half. We said, we both said 13. Uh, Georgia opened as a 12 and a half point favorite. It jumped to Georgia nine and a half immediately now it's georgia wow. minus nine i mean like in a day blows me away it's crazy that blows me away so you have georgia favored uh, they're a nine point favorite heading to lexington at the krogue what do you got my theory i know the bo- the billboards in in Times square were after the line jumped but back in my mind i'm thinking to myself people saw that all of a sudden we're like we're betting Kentucky. We're betting Kentucky. We're doing yeah, it. A lot of big sports bettors in Times Square. That's what they do. That's what they do. They read the the, the stock market exchange, exchange right. and then they get they go their to lines. They bubblegum shrimp company, and they, they bet on yep. sports. Yeah, yep. it's New Yorkers. So having said that, all the more reason to take to, to give the points. 
Give, give those nine points. I, I have no problem giving nine points for Georgia to win this game. I talked about it last week uh, on the Sunday pod, saying that I thought that Georgia is set up really well to dominate in this game. And I know that defensively what Kentucky has is as good as there is in the SEC. I, I, I get all that. But I just think that Georgia has too much balance offensively. And they're very now they're, they're well-versed with playing in you know hostile atmospheres against really good teams. I think that Georgia ends up winning this game like 20-7. Wow. Yeah. I really, I don't like when we have to agree on stuff a lot because it's like one of those things where it's like it doesn't create the diversity. And Diversity know, Day is like one of that. my favorite episodes of The Office ever, and you know that. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. As I said earlier, 5-0 and against the spread, 4-1 and outright when Kentucky's an underdog, 2-0 and outright as a double-digit underdog. Kentucky has been hella impressive all year. Don't know why I thought it was okay to say hella there. Haven't said that in years. Regardless, not okay, not okay. that's fair. Um Georgia coming off a big emotional victory. I think, and I said this going into the bye week, they, they lost at a perfect time. I think they're about to hit stride. I like Georgia. I like them to cover only because if you think Terry Wilson is going to pick apart this defense or have any kind of impact in this game, it's not going to happen. I don't. I just don't see it happening. So I got I got Georgia uh, ooh, 31 to 10. So I can get a, Yeah, I like that score too. Yeah. Um, all right. Last but not least, the showdown. We got a little Dumbo Gumbo coming out here, down Baton Rouge. <laughs> we going on down Death Valley. We coming. We ain't backing down. Uh, Bama, a 15-point favorite. I'm all fired up, as you can tell. I said this would move to 11.5. You said it would go up to 16.5. You, sir, were correct. Uh, the line is now at 15, currently, favoring Bama. Heading to Death Valley. It is the biggest point spread and home underdog LSU's had since 1999. What do you got? I can't wait till Sunday Ed Talks when we get you oh, as a Bama fan interviewing Coach O. It's victorious be, Coach O. It's going to be great. Um, I can't. I can't. I just can't. I want to. I want to. Please do I it, want this gonna game. Make me look bad. I want this game to be close. I really, really, really do. But everything suggests that Bama's still winning this game by three scores. Bama wins something like 38-21, to 21, gets off to that hot start, and maybe LSU does some stuff in the second half to sort of you know, pour it on and make it a little bit more interesting. This one follows a much, much different flow than we saw last year. I just think Nick Saban coming off a bye is like, ugh, gosh. Go off a bye every year. And I know, but still. I mean, in this game, especially with this team, with the firepower that they have, and given that they were a little bit nicked up coming yeah. into the bye week and all that stuff, I can't see this. I know that it would be great if Devin White was able to, to come in and provide LSU this jewel to make it a close game down on the stretch, but I'm, I'm, I'm picking Bama to win by three scores, and if, if LSU is able to stay close in this game, I will be super, super impressed. So here's the thing. I said this when Gus Malzahn took over as offensive coordinator at Auburn. It was one of the scariest things to have to watch. That kind of crap where it's just like, you know, you throw everything you got at him. Double reverse passes, all this different things. You got nothing to lose. Go out there with that kind of mentality. What's scarier than that is when you have that kind of mentality and you have the talent to play along with it. LSU has, I would assume, learned for the seven straight years, especially when they had Leonard Fournette. That's a kid coming in with 191 yards per game, 2015. Heisman front runner, held to 19 carries and 31 yards. They know, they know, and their fans know, you are not going to line up and run the football and beat Alabama. Not going to happen. You haven't done it in seven tries. That being said, I expect some trickeration. I expect Yep. Some great defensive play. I expect them to believe they can win. And I also expect Alabama to go in this game with a little bit of like, oh, yeah. what's I mean, what's what's that? What's this rivalry? We've dominated this rivalry for seven straight games. Um, as you know, 
I've said there's a lot of history involved in this, and I don't know if that factors in, but I think it gets Bama's head a little bit big. You're hedging so hard right now. I'm dead it. serious. I'm, I, I really think this happened. I don't think Bama covers the spread at all. But if you think for one second, I'm, the Homer's coming out of me. Call me Simpson because I'm homering right now. I see Here's the deal, guys. Alabama has lost five times in the last 60 seasons in Death Valley. They have more wins in Death Valley, 27, than LSU has in this entire series at 25. The Tide don't lose in Baton Rouge, my man. The Tide don't lose in Baton Rouge. And I've known that since I was a kid, and it ain't going to happen this weekend. Bama wins, but it's closer than the experts think. I think they win by 10. Uh, I'm going to say 31-21 Bama. Wow. I knew you were going to hedge. I knew you were going to hedge. Well, was... First off, that's what I actually believe. And second I off, I mean, I think I made some very valid points. Connor? I think you did. I think you did. Nick Saban is celebrating a birthday today. The fact that he has a birthday on Halloween, fitting in some ways, not fitting in others. I decided, as a present for Nick Saban, to write him a little poem because I haven't written any poems in a while. And <laughs> he's busy with pl game planning for LSU, so I know he's not going to have time to go out and, and celebrate. And you know, He can just listen to this, pop, pop your headphones in, and you know, this, this is all you need. So, birthday poem, Nick Saban. Here we go. Happy birthday, Nick Saban. You're a youthful-looking 67. You're not the goat just yet because the goat is up in heaven. Just kidding about that, of course. You deserve a little birthday joke. You're allowed to have a little birthday fun. You could even drink that bottle of Coke. The only present you need is a solid day's work. Everything else is rat poison to you. You've got a game to win on Saturday night and probably some recruiting to do. Beautiful. So from all of us at SDS, I'd like to wish you a I'd like to wish a happy birthday to you. Here's hoping you get your birthday wish, which I'm assuming is just a healthy Tua. Look at the inflection, the voice. It was great. I've got a, I got a poem I wrote for you too, Coach, and it's it says this. First off, I've sent it to your house several times. It keeps getting sent back, which I don't understand why. But regardless, um, dear Coach, I hope that we win by a lot in Death Valley. So proud of you. It's a haiku. That's all. It's really good. Yeah, I know. That's I know. Really good. It's called art. You wouldn't get it. Anyway, moving on. We got to rapid fire this. We got Halloween costumes for every coach, something we've been working on for a while. Um, we're not going to give it this justice, but we're going to get through it and give it our oh, best. Oh, we're going to get through this. Okay. We're going to get through this. So, let's, start with, let's start with Saban. Yeah. So you said a goat, which I think is good. Yeah. I, so I, and we're going to put these out on Twitter later today and Instagram now that we're back up and running. So I said oatmeal cream pie. Yep. Little, little Nikki, Little Debbie, and Prince Humperdinck from Princess Bride. I, a lot of you that follow on Twitter, like, I've never seen that movie until a couple weeks ago. He looks just like Prince Humperdinck. You referenced that way too much. You, shut you up, You live-tweeted watching that. Yeah, I know. People loved it. It was great. All right. Let's move on to Arkansas. Chad Morris, uh, this is pretty obvious. Because of his Texas roots... He is a cowboy with guns in his holsters because, as we know in Arkansas, you can walk into the stadium with guns and no... Unreal. Oh, can't do that anymore? Can't do I, that? Oh. Not, I don't think anyone um, can care at this point. Well, he's, he's a football coach, so he's allowed to do whatever he wants. Plays on his cowboy roots, all that stuff. Obvious costume, cowboy hat, all that stuff. Cocaine cowboy, because he's always talking fast. Oh, good. Yeah. Boom. There right. you go. Just a reference on actual drugs. Moving on. Uh, we've got Gus Mel's on. I came up with... A mob boss. And you might think, well, he doesn't look like a mob boss at all. He looks more like an accountant. Um, well, how else would he get a buyout like that? 
He made an offer you can't refuse. I don't know exactly. why I said refuse at all. Moving on. I don't like that. I like I like Gus Malzahn more like Gus Malzdorf. Bertie Malzdorf. Because the money thing. Because he's ripping people off. All right. You know what? Not, they're, they're not all bangers. Swinging Uh Clark Griswold. Just because you can't always be Cousin Eddie. It's got to mix Eddie. it up every once it's in a while. It's Cousin Eddie, and he's drinking out of that, that reindeer chalice with a gross-ass eggnog. Excuse my language, but that stuff is disgusting. Moving on, Kirby Smart. Now, this one I thought I nailed. I you got on, all three of these. I put on. I put it on. Well, I'm not going to say the first one because I had some backlash on Sean White's outfit earlier this mm. week. So I'm going to say two of them. Nacho Libre. I think they're <laughs> built the same. Um, yeah, okay. Body-wise. But the, the real one here, it's not even a question. It's Larry Culpepper from the Dr. Pepper commercials. Yeah, with the visor. Yeah, and the Kirby head, Culpepper. Yeah. It's the same. Ask cold dog to Pepper here. Boom. Yeah, you tweeted that out. That was, was good. good. Yeah. That was some good Photoshop work by you. Very, Thanks, man. Very impressive. Um, this one, I, I think that Kentucky fans will get on board with this. They'll, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Mark Stoops is Michael Myers from Halloween. That's because he comes back and haunts you every 40 years. That's what Kentucky football does. Relevant yep. once every 40 years. You well, don't hear about them in between then. And then they just come back and haunt everyone. And everybody is running for their lives from Kentucky. They were good in 2007. So that's, I mean, it seems rude. And you just made Benny Snell's list. They've also made some random remakes of the Halloween movies, but not the real, real ma- remakes of it. So that's kind of plays fair. into it. I said Mr. Incredible. That's exactly what he looks like with the, with the skin complexion. Also, mm-hmm. he's like a bigger Toby. Nah. All right, well, thought you'd like that one. Uh, Ed Orgeron. You already said it. It's a centaur. Yeah. He definitely is, because I think that he actually might be part centaur. I think he just chopped off his own back half. Yeah. Um, Joe Moorhead, you've got Patrick from SpongeBob. Explain that. They they have the same exact body and face. And I know that he's a fat starfish on the on the show SpongeBob SquarePants, but, they, I mean, but Joe Moorhead, man, he looks just like him. That chin that he doesn't have? They're, they're identical twins. Um, how dare you say that about my guy? Um, Joe Moorhead, I feel like, you know how uh, Jim in the office is just puts a name tag on his shirt one year and is like, I'm Dave. Yeah. Um, and it's like the laziest costume ever. I think Joe Moorhead could do that. And people are like, oh, yeah, that's that's the guy Dave that we, we know. I don't know why Dave didn't dress up. He wore a name tag, which is cool. Three-hole punch Jim. I was three-hole punch Jim for Halloween that's sophomore good. year college. True that's story. Good. Uh, I was Clark Dwight was the year too. after. <laughs> uh, Missouri Barry Odom. I know I nailed this one. You you said cupcake, which is good. Yeah, I mean that's yar what you eat. Yeah, also fair. Um, Bill from King of the Hill. Yes. Yeah. If you guys, he's he's the one that's. <laughs> I mean, just, I don't, it shouldn't need a description. He's the one who looks just like Barry Odom. Yeah, well, you, you'll know it when you see it. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> um, all right, so moving on from that, we got Matt Luke. Now I read this one wrong, and I I. I don't know what you, I didn't know what you were talking about. You said. Okay, so I said a knight without a shield because he's got no defense. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Okay, I said Farva from Super Troopers because yeah. he, he kind of looks like there's like, somebody say shenanigans? Huh? <laughs> okay, no cream. Like, that seems like Matt Luke. It's like, it's like happy-go-lucky, doesn't understand what he's, re- like, what people are saying about him. All I asked for is a liter of cola. Yeah, just a liter of cola. Because he does have a little bit of attitude. He still has that angry dad face. Uh, Will Muschamp, I think this one goes without saying. It's Hulk. the Hulk. Yeah, yeah. without a doubt. Um, now, Jeremy Pruitt. This is good on you. This is very good. I was impressed. So, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, Six Flags guy. That guy. Or, if, you were born, if you were born before uh, t- if the year like 2000, you might not get that. But go back, go YouTube those commercials. If you're born before 2000, don't listen to this podcast. 
True, we're probably not appropriate for you. But yeah, you go probably... back and go back and watch those commercials because they are. Yeah. Yeah, that's Jeremy Pruitt. And also, if you're born for 2000 or after 2000, you don't. If you listen to the podcast, I'm not trying to discourage you from listening to the podcast. But I meant after 2000. Yeah. I said before 2000. It's all good. But we want some homework. You need some homework so you get some of these references. That's the only way I'm mm-hmm. going to be funny. And I don't need these yeah. three star reviews. Um, or Dana White. Yeah. Like yeah, post testosterone pills, Dana White. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Jimbo Fisher. Now, you nailed this one. He's an auctioneer. Yeah. I mean, the guy, you know that he goes around to every single Halloween party. Nope, just down 75. 75 million guaranteed. All right, here we go. Got to stick there. Got to re 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 as we know, Derek Mason dressed up as a football coach is not going to get the type of money that he needs. At Vandy, if you want to get that paper, you want to get that high-level donor money, you got to be a professor. So I'm just saying, pretend you got some study, something like that. You're looking into this. You're looking into that. Really, you're just Derek Mason, the football coach, dressed up as a professor. All of a sudden, new stadium, new locker rooms, new facilities. Boom, you're an SEC team. Derek Mason's Kevin Hart. That man can hold a room. He is hilarious. He like he's I love I love Derek Mason and what he's like his his performance I'll say in quotes at Media Days is still one of my favorite things of this entire season. He he is just he's hilarious and he's he's really engaging stuff like that as well. So there's that. Professor, you'd be a funny there. professor. All right, Kevin Hart was just in a the movie Night professor. School. Oh, there you just go. Saying. All right, let's oh. move on to the last segment here or the second to last segment. We got uh, fourth and wrong. So we had a couple good submissions. We'll do five. How about that? That's good. That's Sounds good. good. Okay. So, number one, what's the worst job either of you had ever had? Dr. Hyder, MD, from Twitter. So, I worked at a place called Captain Nemo Subs in high school. And don't get me wrong. It was my favorite subs place, and it was great. But I had a boss who only paid me in cash and paid me six fifty an hour. And that was back in the day when I was hustling. I would work by myself. And it was super boring and super depressing. And I basically like pressed my boss and said, you need to be paying me more because I'm not even making minimum wage. And then she's like, but I'm not taxing you and I'm just paying you in cash. And I'm like, no, that's not okay. And then they closed like two months later. Wow, okay. Um, this one's tough for me. I remember one summer when I came home from college, I uh, had to work a lawn, like, like yard work. The same summer I worked at Old Navy and I had to till our entire front yard for $8 an hour to pay off what I was apparently owed my parents, um, for like the first, they had to pay like $2,000 for like the first semester of college. And then I paid for the rest after this. Cause I was like, I'm never doing yard work like this again. It was awful. That classic millennial response. Oh, dude, you with a hand rake tilling something with a hand rake in a city called stone mountain, which is like the rockiest gravel ever. I'm, I'm still fired up about it. That's why I don't go home for Thanksgiving. Regardless, I think Whoa. my, my, <laughs> my worst one, my worst job that I probably ever had, I think was Chick-fil-A. It was, what? it was awful. It was awful because, it, like, they made you work a Saturday shift. I've, I brought this up before. They made you work a Saturday shift, and it was like you had to be there at, like, 5.30 in the morning. You had to do two a month. And, I mean, you're, like, 15. Like, this, that's awful. And then you get done at, like, 3 o'clock. 
It was, and you're making like five thirty-five an hour. I got fired because I stole an ice cream. It was Ninety-nine cents. I gotta take. I gotta text Mark and tell him to bleep that whole part out. How dare you take Chick Fil A down like that? Don't just pay me for five thirty-five. It's just one ice cream got me fired. Uh, what is your worst Halloween experience from Charles Haney twenty-eight on Instagram? When I was five years old, uh, we had one of those living rooms that um, was kind of like an open concept ranch house back when I lived uh, in the suburbs of Chicago in Skokie. And I remember these kids uh, pelted eggs at our window and it scared the crap out of me. I'm, I'm talking like petrified. All of a sudden, yeah. just bang, bang, bang. And um, like my shot. dad leaps up. Uh, my, my late dad leaps up out of his chair, sprints out of the house, sprints down the street, goes and drags him, brings one of the guys back by his ear. I, I kid you not, brings it back by his ear until the cops come and, you know, they take him in and all that stuff. But, like, it was the ultimate, like, oh, my God, my dad is a superhero moment. But at the same time, it was very traumatizing. And, by the way, don't throw eggs at people's windows because they might have a five-year-old in there who might be scarred for life. Just or they say. might break and you might have to clean it up. And it's also, egg yolk is really tough to get out. I'll say oh, that. Oh, they cleaned it up. They cleaned um, it up. Yeah, mine wasn't like that. I was 19, Sorry. and I've told this story before. I got, I had way too many Bud Lights, I'll say, uh, for Halloween one year, and I um, was dressed as Forrest Gump, and I spilled chocolates all over the floor at the dance place we were at, and I woke up in a dorm room, ear muffet, ear muffet fiance, um, and had to make a walk of shame in, in a pair of old school Nikes, because I was dressed as Forrest Gump, uh, they were size 14. I'm a size 11 and a half. And I had to walk a mile and a half home in that the next morning. And it was awful. And I had a ping pong paddle with me. Moving on. <laughs> uh, if SEC coaches were a candy, who would be the toothbrush out of the bunch? See, I'd go Dan Mullen on this. And I don't mean that as a slight to Dan Mullen. But, you know, there's the... He doesn't, he's got, like me, you know, he's got the Yankee accent where he comes in, he just, he just tries to clean everything up and he just tries to talk like this. And Dan Mullen is all about trying to clean up the Gators. That's what he's been brought in there to do. And I feel like he's going to be the one to kind of break the mold there. I'm not really giving a good example of why he's a toothbrush, but I just thought Dan Mullen when I heard that. So I, I don't disagree with you saying that. I think it's Saban. And that sounds weird because he's like the goat and he's the greatest of all time, all that kind of stuff. Oh, thanks but, for explaining what goat yeah, was. You're welcome, guys. So, yeah, you're welcome, So um, if you've listened to us before 1987, you will not understand what goats are. <laughs> They're animals. Um, but no, I, the reason why I say this is because he's proven time and time again, unless he's with Tom Rinaldi, he's not a fun person. He's he's miserable to be around. And and just hats off to everybody. That's probably why Terrell, Terrell Lewis or Terrell Hall, I can't remember what you changed his name to. Changed his name to Terrell Lewis, yeah. That's probably why he hurt himself in the summer because he didn't want to be on that boat anymore with, with Saban. I think that was a pre-existing injury. Saban is not fun unless he's flirting with Tom Rinaldi. Boom, moving on. Um, fourth question. Uh, how did you guys get your start? Oh, that's a great question. Um, My parents. Started from the bottom, now here. Um, <laughs> started from the bottom. Keep trying to no. get back to the bottom. No, so a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, they... A lot of people like to attack me for, you know, people say I'm a Yankee, whatever. I talk like this and uh, I don't sound like I'm from the area. It's because I was hired here after Ohio State won the 2014 National Championship to run our Big Ten site, which I did by myself for two years until I was brought over to the SEC side to start writing columns. I write a lot. I write mostly for SDS now and I still write for our Big Ten site, SaturdayTradition.com. But I was brought, I was working, uh, covering every once in a while I'd cover... You know, I mostly covered Nebraska preps, and I covered Nebraska football home games. So I don't have any allegiance to Nebraska. It was actually pretty funny to watch the fans freak out the way that they did. But 
Um, I spent some time there as a college journalist um, and then got this job and then started doing the podcast last year with uh, John Christ. And I am now doing the podcast with uh, Chris Marler. So that's how I got here. Now, I was not born in the North. I was born here in Dixit. I've lived in Dixit. I'll die in Dixit. Uh, no, that is a joke. So I had a little bit different of a start, I think, as we have said before. Um, went to school for uh, liberal studies, which was a great way to not get a job after college. Um, I worked uh, as a bartender, and I loved writing and doing stand-up comedy. So I've been doing stand-up comedy in Atlanta for about seven years, really got into writing. Uh, our COO of the company came into the bars working at, Houston's in Atlanta. Um, shout out to Houston's, got fired from there a year ago yesterday. Was nice. the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, and I met Kevin. We kind of interrupted his conversation because he was talking about football. And I'm just itching at the fact to always talk about football. Or opportunity to talk about football. Um, got a couple of different gigs with you guys. And then just kind of fell into it. And we, uh, you know, I was very lucky, very blessed. I hated that job. Um, if you guys, I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you guys are in a job you don't like, uh, keep your head up at all times. And that I had this job bartending. I had to wear a vest and a bow tie. And I looked damn good. I was a little bit, I was in better shape, as you know, Connor. But I mean, I hated that job. I was there for five and a half years, and there's nothing worse than being like, okay, absolutely, as you make a, a mojito for somebody. But that for being me. said, I met my fiance there, and I got this dream job, and it's the, probably the best thing that ever happened to me. So keep your head up. Um, you know, that's, that's how I got my start. Last you got an inspiring least, sto- You got a very inspiring story. And I think I appreciate you, I, that, man. Real quick, just had to throw that in there. That's, Thank you. I, your story is, is the ultimate, like, you can just be like you'll never know when your next opportunity is going to come. Yeah. Like, not to say that you can just be a guy because obviously, like you know, sick brag, you're crazy talented, all that stuff, and I appreciate everything Thanks, you man. do. This is a little love fest, so I'm just going to pretend that. I didn't say that. Let's move on. Okay, last one. This is going to be our bad advice. Uh, this is, comes from Tim Held, 03. Now oh, I think man. this means he's 15 years old, <laughs> or he graduated a year in 03. It says, "How do I get girls?" So I'll let you start, and then I'll I'll tell you my my tricks. I think playing hard to get is worth a lot, a lot when it comes to to getting girls. I think the clingier the clingier you are, the the more your chances are going to decrease yes. of, of getting said girl. I think you got to be you got to be subtle with your moves, but you also got to know what you want, and you've got to be able to sort of lay the foundation. Little you know, start a little friendship, a little flirtation. Um, started a little flirtation with, uh, with my wife. We were just, you know, we were coworkers. She was my boss at the time, student newspaper back in college, shout out the IDS. Um, and then, you know, start a little work flirt here and there, a little work Jim and Pam thing. Work flirts are the best, You're man. Gives you an excuse to be there. Um, and then, yeah, go figure, uh, what is it? Like eight years later, seven years later, here we are, uh, married and yeah, doing, uh, doing life. So yeah, that's basically my way of saying that's how you get girls. Just recreate, uh, the office. So when I met my fiance again, I've told the story. I won't tell it again. But uh, she is my favorite person that I've I've grown to know um, over the time. Besides Nick Saban and my mom, she knows that. She's, Whoa, where she's, am she's I? She's a bronze medalist. I mean, well, you're. I mean, you're up with that with that power three. Nowhere near Connor. You're top ten. You're not. You're not top three. I'm regardless. Podium. Regardless. Uh, that's a pretty stacked top. Anyway, um, I. I. You know, my fiance is great. I've always, always, always been bad with women. So here's what I'll tell you to do. Linger around a little bit. Maybe maybe uh, hang out with our sponsor, a little Bud Light. Make that your friend. It usually gives me something good to say. 
probably not, not too much though because don't get yeah. the drunk confidence no, you no, don't, don't want to be never be that but, you guy. know like four beer chris was always pretty good chris like he always had a little more confidence lost swag on the dance floor learn how to walk it out invest in in watching youtube videos and learning how to dance girls really love that and and people that are of our um background are not good at it a lot so i'll say that be funny um but don't try too hard treat a girl like yeah. like dirt she'll stick to you like mud don't do that that is the nope. bad advice don't do that but but definitely, yeah, just just come with the funny. Look at me. I'm reminded of it constantly on Instagram about how much I outkicked my coverage. If you got a good personality, say a couple words like non-committal, you're a date and a half. Get, get, also, give a crap about how you dress, too. Yeah. That's that's something worth, worth saying. I'm wearing girls, all gray. Girls actually care about that as I'm wearing a, like an orange neon shirts that I wear when I you know go yeah. jogging so I don't get run over by cars whatever go, go watch the the scene from blank check where Henry the limo driver gives the advice on how to date a girl take her to a nice buffet okay and then line your pockets a little baggies it doesn't say all you can eat here does it no no oh man yes women love that you come home with a couple of chicken wings in your pocket you know learn a couple of words like non-committal you're a date and a half that movie's a walking felony yeah yeah big time very felony good point. If you're an eight-year-old listening to this, do not pursue a 35-year-old woman. Bad advice. Uh, let's close with it might mean too much. We're, we're sticking with Halloween. We, if, if you follow SDS on Twitter, by the way, you should definitely do that. You already saw this. This was the Saban paying the refs costume. And this is actually from last year. But this costume is so, so good. Uh, shout out to Read My Shirt, the Twitter handle. Very original yeah. Twitter handle. I'm very surprised he got that. But um, so it's one kid is these are like two like eight, nine year old kids, maybe. Uh, one kid is dressed as Nick Saban with a healthy head of hair. Uh, the other is a blind ref accepting cash, and it's got, you know, the ref's got flags draping out of it. And the best part is that this was created last year. So can you imagine? This is coming from an LSU fan. Uh, read my shirt. Apparently, he's going to have some modifications to the costume yeah. this year, and with Devin White stuff, it's even more prevalent. So very, very topical. It might mean too much, and kind of plays into your Halloween costume. Yeah. So I, me, and Bay uh, dressed. I got a old um, a referee shirt and a Target bag. She had a nice yellow, very bright yellow shirt, some eye black, which I didn't want her to take off, and um, and a what do you call it? An old, old school cordless phone. And and uh, we were a targeting call. It was really funny. I thought that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, we are going to close out. We got three five-star reviews to get to, um, a lot of which are Coach O stuff. People love Coach O. Um, okay, this is from Lee Lu. Subject, when I hear the real Coach O, I think he's fake. I love this podcast so much, it's almost embarrassing. I cannot wait to listen to it every Monday morning on my way to work and definitely laugh out loud multiple times each podcast, causing people to stare at me, but I don't even care. Also, I'm convinced the real Coach O lives on this podcast, not in Baton Rouge. That is factually correct. That is fair to say, yeah. Um, okay, I'll take the next one here. And that is this. Love the show, great analysis, and need more Coach O. Played Valdosta in college baseball. So Chris needs to break down the Blazers from time to time, LOL. That is from Halianerdo, uh, Maybe We played Valdosta in baseball. So maybe we played against each other. When I say we... Maybe you played, and I came in for a sacrifice bunt in the eighth inning. Shout out Kirby Smart. There you go. <laughs> uh, this last one is from Noah Rocky Top Robinson, subject Tennessee Vol turned Coach O lover. This is without a doubt the best podcast in America and has turned this Tennessee Vol into a Coach O loving maniac. Go Vols and go Coach O. Love it. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. That means a lot. I hope you guys all have a very, very safe 
first and foremost, a safe Halloween. Yeah, don't, don't throw do eggs at people's stupid. windows. Yeah, don't, don't don't go hitting mailboxes, Daisy Confused style. There are other things to do. Just don't eat a lot of candy. Don't dress up as Forrest Gump in oversized pleated khakis and Nikes and subject yourself to getting scabies. It's terrible. True words have never been said from you. Next time we talk to you guys, we will know basically what the SEC championship is going to look like. That's a weird thought. <laughs> Sunday. We will be getting back to you guys. We're going to know everything that we need to know for this college football season. Uh, enjoy the games. Thank you again to our good friend Peter Burns for joining us. Stay safe out there, San Diego. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.